welcome to what is now living in infinity. We are no longer our life after AI. And we did this. We rebranded ourselves because we just wanted to kind of expand the scope of topics we could cover. Um, like Alec, he's really interested in business. And I would like to kind of dive off into politics every now and then or whatever else uh, I find interesting. So, yeah, we just think we're living in infinity. Kind of opens up the door to do that. Also, um, it's nice to be back after a long break. Um, I know I was feeling a bit brain dead uh, at the time of our last episode. Um, that took place right around the end of my semester and between school and writing and I'm sorry, uh, coaching uh, high school golf. Well, so I don't know how it's going on, but, uh, but yeah, took a little bit of a break and ready to get back at it. Yeah. I think it's been like two months maybe since our last episode, but going forward, we should be good for like regular weekly episodes, just kind of talking about business, tech, economics, uh, some politics here and there. So, um, yeah, just kind of wanted to open up our range of topics instead of just doing AI only. And so yeah, I guess we could start out with what's probably the biggest news so far of, you know, the past several weeks, um, Apple announced their new vision pro headset. Um, this is like once every like five, six years, Apple will do something that kind of completely shifts, you know, the whole uh, the whole landscape for, for tech, like they'll come out with some new platform basically. So like the, I, the iPhone was a platform shift, iPad, um, the MacBook, and now we kind of have this new vision pro headset, which is like AR and VR. Um, and this is going to be, you know, what I think will be like Apple's most important product for the foreseeable future because it is like a complete different shift in the, into like some area of technology that we haven't really gotten all that far into um so yeah we can kind of dive into that for a while did you get a chance to like watch a recap of the event or just kind of read some articles about it or like what are your initial thoughts on it um my initial thoughts are just that it looks really cool um, it's kind of similar. Do you remember, remember like the Google glasses? Yeah. 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 So I guess it's like that on steroids, probably, probably a lot better than what those were, but, um, yeah, so no, it's, they seem sweet. I do think, um, it was nice to see Apple get into the ball game. Finally announced their, their, uh, weapon of choice from this AI battle. Um, and it was a big one. I mean, I didn't. It was amazing how quiet they kept it because there was just, as far as I could tell, there was no word about any sort of um, look into AI at all. And then they come with this bombshell. So pretty sweet. Yeah, for sure. And there have been like, I guess, rumors and leaks of some sort of AR product uh, coming from Apple over the past, I would say, year or so. But like very minor, the details were super speculated on. Uh, I saw some leaks of like, they were just like standard glasses and it was kind of everything built into there. Uh, I think while that would have been very cool, the technology is just not there yet for that to happen. But yeah, so some of just kind of like the overlying details, I guess, of the headset itself. So it's AR and VR, which I thought was really interesting. Like really the only thing that we have to compare to this is uh, the meta quest, which is like Facebook's, uh, VR headset. Um, that's really, I guess the most popular, uh, VR, um, headset or platform out there at the moment. And I could be wrong about this, but I'm like fairly certain that it's, it's VR only no augmented reality whatsoever. Um, which AR just kind of means like, um, uh, what? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Can you explain the difference? Oh. Yeah, so VR is just like everything is completely virtual, generated on a screen. Um, so like with Meta, the MetaQuest headset, you're just looking into the screen. There's no, um, you're not interacting with the outside world whatsoever. Everything is completely virtual. 
Whereas AR, it's like a mixture of both. So like the headset has cameras um, and sensors on the front that basically allow you to, they have like a, it's what's called like a pass-through mode. And so you could wear them and the cameras will enable to where it looks like everything that you see in front of you is what you see. Like it's like they're not even really there. And then the VR aspect is like everything that's overlaid on top of that. So basic example of what you could use them for, like you're sitting on the couch and you have like in front of you, like the big wall, like maybe there's where your TV would normally be, but just imagine there's no TV there. You can use like that entire wall as like a landscape for a movie or TV show. Um, while at the same time, you can still see everything that's happening around you, hear what's happening around you, but it's just like, you have the whatever, basically any, really whatever the developers of this product decide to imagine up, like they, they, they can make it happen. Like, um, so lots of use cases for work, like they, they sh some of the demo examples they showed of like someone just standing at an empty desk with, with just the keyboard on it. And then like, they're looking around them and they had like four different screens just like in the room. And what's really cool is like with the MetaQuest, you have controllers in your hands and they're connected to the headset. Whereas with the Vision Pro, there's no controllers at all. The only input is like your eyes. So it does eye tracking and then also your hands. There's like sensors on the bottom of it to where it can look at your hands and see what they're doing, where they're moving. And then you just make certain gestures to do certain things. So way more of like a seamless product than what Meta is currently doing. Um, and yeah, I think like to click, you just kind of like put your fingers together. Like you just look at what you want to click on and touch your fingers together and it just does it. Um, I've watched some videos of like people that got a chance to actually use it and test it. And this is like the first time I've seen like reviews from a headset like this, where people are like, this genuinely feels like magic. The eye tracking is just apparently insanely good. It knows exactly where you're looking at and what you want to do. And then you, again, you just like touch your fingers together to click on things or make certain gestures to do certain things. So. I would, I would love to, to get one for sure. The only downside is it's like $3,500, um, which I guess is like to be expected for, well, for one it's Apple. And then two, it's like a first generation product. The technology is still, um, fairly, fairly new. So it's going to take time for this to like get smaller, get cheaper, but yeah. Um, this is like the first time in a long time that I've actually been excited about something that Apple is doing. I feel like the past six, seven years, it's just kind of been like small iterative updates on their existing products. And they're still like, I love Apple products. They're great. They just haven't done anything like super exciting, but this is the first time in a long time where it's like, they're really pushing the boundaries again. So it's going to be like really exciting to see, uh, what comes of it. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this, but a lot of people, a lot of backlash, I guess that came from this was like. You know, we're already so glued into screens as it is, computer screens, phones, uh, TVs, just like basically nonstop. What kind of happens to society when we did have one glued to our face, you know? Or... Yeah. Um, I've kind of been thinking about that as, as you've been speaking and I've been thinking about it really for the last day or so, um, kind of on my own intellectual pursuits like writing for my subsec i've been um focusing in a lot on uh, the bible and really i only bring that up just to mention like i've really fallen in love with just the idea of like being human human you know uh we're really cool and we we're already like i just think we're already like fantastic and it scares me that we're proceeding into this area where you know, it's possible humanity gets left behind. Um, but you know, I, I don't really think we have a choice. I think it, this merger between human and machine is going to have to happen. Um, and, and I don't know, I think once you accept that, like pretty freaking cool, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. you know, and, and I don't know. 
to me, this almost seems like a competitor with Neuralink in terms of making that merger happen. Um, because think about it, you know, everybody just eventually you, you mentioned this thing's going to get smaller and more efficient, which is, I think that's pretty natural for technology. Um, you know, eventually this thing could be a contact and then, and then it just really is kind of like part of, part of us, or you can get an implant put in your eye or I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. It, it just seems like a, like a cool step in that direction of, of this merger, which I think is inevitable and scary and cool. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's, that's kind of, I saw someone make that analogy on Twitter, basically saying like, at least for now, while it's brain interfaces, which is what neural Neuralink is working on, at least for now, this is like a more realistic near-term competitor to that, because in a way it is like, it's like an overlay on our reality, you know? Um, and interesting side note to that, Neuralink just got FDA approval for human trial. So like, that's going to be really interesting to see what happens and what they can do with that over uh, the next, like, it'll be several years, I would imagine, uh, before we start seeing like, or not several years, but maybe like a year before we start seeing like some results and studies come from the actual human trials. Um, but I do think too that um, it'll be interesting to see like how these kind of compete with each other. Cause like you said, it could, you know, maybe one day it's just a contact lens or this just built into like some standard glasses that you would wear that no one could even tell that you were wearing. So like, will it really be necessary to get, you know, something implanted in your brain? Uh, I guess that my, remains to be determined, but yeah, my thought is, I mean, you know, Part of that argument against uh, being glued to your screen so much is that it's just like information overload. Um, so I think you'll, I don't know, I see a world where you need both. You need this Apple product to ingest the information and then you need the narrowing to be able to work through it all. I mean, um, yeah, because I mean, the Neuralink that's not, well, I mean, uh, could that be connected to the internet eventually? And then it's just yeah. in your brain. Yeah. Well, sure. Like through your, <laughs> through, yeah, just like through your phone in your pocket or something that can get a connection through that. Or so what if you, you know how you imagine in your head? What if that's how you like interact with the internet? That's yeah. I mean, that's like black mirror level stuff right here. But, um, mm -hmm. I will say like, that's not really what Neuralink is focused on at the moment. For now, it's more like health benefits, which I think is way more important than being able to watch TV on a wall or something, you know, like this is like yeah. the, the health benefits that come from that is like insane, like giving people the ability to move again that weren't able to, to see, to hear, like, uh, I think that's what they're focused on for now, but there will come a time where, and Elon has talked about this too, like one point he always brings up is just like the efficiency of people speaking like of human language is very low, um, at least compared to what our brains can do. Like we can kind of go through multiple different thoughts and ideas in our brain in like a very short period of time. Whereas if you wanted to actually convey that to someone that you're speaking to through words, like it's very, very slow, takes a lot of time. So like part of what he's talked about is just like, the same way you have ideas that just kind of pop into your head. Like you aren't speaking to yourself in full length sentences in your head. Like you just have ideas, you know, imagine you can kind of just like have an idea and share it with someone virtually, you know, through the neural link or whatever that would make people way more efficient in terms of communication. Um, so that it's clear that he wants to go eventually the route of like, you know, kind of. I, I guess like altering our reality in a way with the technology in the brain, but, um, yeah. So for now we just kind of have AR VR, which I think is good. Like we should, you know, ease our way into stuff like this, but, um, yeah, it will be kind of, I, I it will be interesting to see like, are we, are we just going to be walking down the street and people have these goggles on or like, it's going to be, mm -hmm. 
I think it might um, take a while to get to that point, but you mentioned this change and this potential change in the way we communicate. Um, so we watched Arrival, right? The movie. And you remember how they would convey, like, I mean, I don't know how much information, but a lot of information was packed into those symbols. Yeah. And so that's just, just what, me, what that made me think of. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Like maybe, because there are times where, you know, very quick communication would be like very useful. Like if you're in a hospital and someone comes in and you want to like, you're having to converse with like, like you're the doctor and you're having to converse with like six different nurses and like have them do certain things. Whereas like, it's just, it's a lot, but imagine that you can just kind of like, everyone's just like synced together in a way and you can kind of just like have these thoughts and they just kind of receive them. However, that, whatever that looks like. And then they just kind of do what they have to do. Like there are scenarios like that I can think of like stuff like that, where it would just be way more useful, but. Yeah, I don't know if I really expand. Well, it would probably expand our like the amount of information we could under understand. So, you know, like I, like I've read a couple long novels uh, these past couple years, and you think of those novels and just general ideas. Like I'll look at one, be like, oh yeah, I know what that's about. But within that big concept, there's a million little things that you have to read the book in order to receive um but what if you could just through this method of communicating just like convey everything and i don't know that simpler large picture if that makes sense. like do download the book in your brain basically yeah and then you just get it all all these little details yeah. that make this one big thing you're just able to get yeah it's like the the limitless pill like we we, we can unlock the rest of our brain, you know, or unlock aspects of consciousness that we weren't able to before, which is equally as terrifying, I guess, is like AGI, but all this stuff kind of happening at the same time is exciting, but also very scary too, just because I, I really feel like, I mean, that's kind of why we named to change the name to living in infinity, right? Like we're living in this age of just like infinite technological evolution that we have no idea what's going to happen uh, it it's weird because it seems this thing seems anti-human in the sense that we might be leaving the traditional human form behind but it also seems pro-human in the sense that like humans are going to be able to do things just at a rate far faster better than ever before and it's going to yeah. and in that manner it's going to make us even cooler so yeah agreed for sure i do agree with, with what you said earlier too that it's just kind of inevitable like the technology is always going to progress there's not really any way to stop it unless we have like some sort of global catastrophic event that you know sets us back okay. 30 years for technology but uh yeah i we are definitely uh, like done. Well, just I don't know if you know much about it, but um, I just read briefly like about Sam Altman's tour and the world, and he's tried to get like global cooperation uh, in terms of AI. It just uh, I don't even know the point I was making with this. It just seems like good for like i understand why he's doing it i understand why it's important but also it's like what's a kid they kid they're not gonna be able to figure any of this out so it seems futile i guess that's my only point yeah i think too like it's really hard to but there's certain certain countries that are just kind of kind of do their own thing you know like i think it's very important that globally we are as united as possible on this front when it comes to AI and just the overall progression of this technology. But there are definitely certain countries that we are just like probably not going to see eye to eye on with what, what, what our values are and what we are trying to accomplish with AI. 
there are certain countries that are just going to be on the completely other end of the spectrum. And that's like we said, it's kind of futile. Like they're just kind of going to do their thing regardless. And yeah, probably not. Yeah. Probably some bad stuff will come from that. For sure. I, I feel like, um, there's going to be too much self-interest if, uh, employ to prevent any useful global cooperation from happening, but yeah, I will, uh, that's kind of, it makes, I think it's a good segue into another topic we were going to touch on, which was I, this apparent change in, uh, culture war, which I think is downstream of Elon purchasing Twitter. Um, and kind of the point I want to make with this is like, okay, so Elon buys Twitter and I mean, I know there are a lot of people that disagree with this, but you know, it, it increased the flow of information that was circulating the internet, um, kind of even the playing field. And with that, you see, um, I see good changes. I, I like, I, I guess I support what's, what's happening recently with, um, with this change in the culture war. And, and so, you know, I think as this AI technology improves, we're going to see, um, maybe people have more say in how their world goes, a little more individual freedom, a little more individual, uh, yeah, I don't know, power. So, uh, so, so yeah, I think that's another reason to be excited about all this kind of just like an overall push towards decentralizing everything in a way yeah. uh, more individual freedom more individual power or hopefully that's the way that it will go i can certainly see that happening like, especially as we ai gets more advanced we can kind of everyone's going to have their own ai like their own version of it that is more as, as, as aligned specifically to what them, what they want, what their values are, uh, which I think is obviously way better than just having some sort of like broad AI that everyone uses and everyone, everyone's values are kind of like, I guess, adapted in a way to what that AI is. That's, that's a very dangerous scenario for sure. Um, I think, well, the way it will probably, what it will probably look like is there's a couple companies that will have their own AI models and they will be the ones that everyone uses. So like open AI, um, Google, maybe one or two others, but these models will be like specifically like they'll, but those will be the underlying models. And then each person will have their own like version of that, that, like I said, is tailored towards them. It, it helps them out with what they want. It knows their needs. It knows their values. Um, at least I almost think what the ideal scenario is. Yeah. Yeah. I almost think, um, you know, you mentioned a lot about like the AI is going to be tailored to them specifically, but okay. So like going back to kind of my recent dive into Christianity, like, you know, I, in Christianity, the idea that makes God so great is just that he knows everything and just sees the big picture and maybe that's what ai kind of will allow us to gain is that ability and so maybe you don't really want tailored uh, ai you want just that ability to see or to ingest as much information as possible and then make sense of it and um i think uh yeah to me if we go that route that's the cool way yeah yeah, I think AI will certainly unlock that ability. I guess my question would be like, how many people would kind of use this in an, in an objective way, you know? Uh, I think a lot of people, at least right now, and I like at least like just the way that social media has kind of altered society in a way, a lot of people, and this is not a good thing, but a lot of people find it easier to be told what to think rather than like come to their own conclusions, you know, like they, they follow their certain providers 
They run with whatever headlines they're given. And that's just kind of their whole thought process. You know, there's not a whole lot of critical thinking involved, but. But that's, I think that's at least never been the good part. I would say at least the good part of AI is that it will make it a lot easier. Like you said, to source information and think about it critically, as opposed to just like relying on, you know, your Twitter feed or whatever news channel you watch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of, there's two thoughts. Um, so yeah, based off what I'm learning from, um, my recent, yeah, this reading about Christianity, basically what I'm learning about it is just, it's the idea, which is not a new one. It's very old. Is that there's nothing on earth that can, um, like fix the world, you know, that's why people turn to God. I mean, that's not the argument here. They're just, just saying like, I disagree with the idea that people have that with this AI improvement, like the world's going to become fantastic and utopia like, um, I think it's just going to continue to be good and bad, but like with an overall uptick trend, because that seems to be what, what happens when there's large increases in technology. Um, sorry, my dog is going insane in the background. Can you hear that? You're good. Okay. Um, so yeah, I kind of want to make that point. And, uh, the other one was just, yeah, I, like, I don't fully expect people to get this technology and then be like, oh, all of a sudden I'm going to become, um, I'm going to widen my views and take in both sides. Like I know people aren't going to do that just because they get the option to, uh, at a higher rate. But yeah. I think for the people that are already like that, like their use utility, uh, within the world is only going to increase exponentially and that's going to help play into that overall uptick. So, you know, I think unless we hit that like breaking point where AI goes insane and kills us all, I think this is just going to be cool, good, great. I, I agree with that. I think we, we talked about this previously, but kind of the way that I look at it is like, there's like a, a spectrum of outcomes that would come from this. Like on the, on one side, you have all the good outcomes and the one side you have the bad out- outcomes and like the further you go each way, the worse or better that it gets. What I kind of see AI doing is like, it extends both of them. I don't know if it's, I want to say it extends the the good spectrum further than the bad, but the bad will definitely also be expanded. So all the good things that could come from AI or sorry, rephrasing that, um, lots of really good things will come from AI, but also like lots of really bad things too, like really bad scenarios that we, that were not once possible. Uh, but that being said, I think the good will far outweigh the bad. Again, like you said, assuming that AI doesn't just like kill us all. Um, yeah. So I don't find it useful or productive to be like one of those doomsday or doomsday sayers, like just focus on the bad outcomes of what could happen because I think the good far, far outweighs that. Right. Yeah. I, um, I think if you look at it, like a step below the doomsday people, there was this level of argument against AI where it's like, oh, like, what was it? Chaos AI? Was that what it was called? Where it just wreaks havoc and... Chaos GPT. Yeah, Chaos GPT. Um, There are people that seem to be like, okay, yeah, it's not going to destroy us, but there's going to be all these bad things that can happen. You know, they're worried about all this, like, evil. And um, that's fair, and it's probably good that some people are concerned about it, but also there's just there's already evil you know and so and we only have you know there's this much evil and we have this much capability to find it well with ai it's just like okay so there's going to be this much evil but then we're going to have this much capability to fight it at least in theory so it's kind of like a net yeah it's like a moot point almost in my mind um so i mean not saying they're like i said it's probably good they're worried about it because somebody shouldn't sure 
but I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, let that pro yeah. for again, further innovation at this moment. Yeah, I agree. I think our tech technology is like an amplifier. And if there's anything that we can learn from history, it's that, I mean, look back 50 years ago, would you rather be living today or that? I think yeah. most people would probably say today. Uh, can I uh, share something so like, that just, yeah, in my head. Okay. So like, let's, let's look back at cavemen. Okay. Some, okay. some caveman discovers fire. There's probably half his tribe that are like, you could bring the whole planet down. And, uh, and then the other half is like, hell yeah, we can have steaks now, grilled steaks or whatever. Um, it's the same argument. Like, okay. So would you go back and tell them, okay, yeah, let's not mess with this. Let's not learn more about fire. No, you say, yeah, hell yeah. Go, go for it. Yeah. I think, I think that's a good analogy. No, for sure. I mean, basically all the technology that we now have result came as a result of the discoverance of fire. So like either we, we, we stayed there because he was going to burn down a village or like we get all the stuff that we have now, you know, I guess I think AI is a great way of, you know, looking at that. I don't want to say AI is quite at the same level of discover fire, but I would, I mean, it's probably pretty close. Like we don't really know what's going to happen, but I would say like the, yeah. the change in what we're going to see from AI technology is like probably incomprehensible to us today, the same way it would have been to the cavemen when they had discovered fire. So, uh, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see why, like we're here, we're living in this. I don't see why you'd want to just like sit around and be like, oh, this is it. This is the end. You know, it's just not, not a good use of time. I don't like, I'd much rather be optimistic. It and wrong yeah. than like be pessimistic and be like, oh, I was right. Told you we're all dead. Well, good job. You know? Yeah. The only counter example, I guess I could think of is like the nuclear bomb, but maybe that would have been a good one to chill on. But even then we didn't, if we didn't develop it, then somebody else would have, then we would have been, we would have been screwed. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think to not, to not want to proceed goes against every example in human history I think most parts take that yeah <laughs> yeah I agree yeah. uh I guess like hard transition here to something completely unrelated but I wanted to kind of talk about it just because I thought it was cool um I keep up with a lot with kind of the automotive market like the electric vehicle industry just because I think that's another one of like the main you know large technology pillars that are happening here at the moment just like the overall transition to like sustainable energy uh and so one really interesting development that happened recently was um, tesla partnered with gm and ford actually um two separate deals but they kind of all happened within the same week pretty much um so now just to kind of said the landscape here, like Tesla is by far the leader in electric vehicles by far. Um, and not only in their vehicles themselves, but also their charging network. So like they have the most extensive, uh, network of chargers across, not just the U S but across the globe. Um, and as someone myself or that owns a Tesla, like I can speak to it that I would not want to, to own any other electric vehicle because I have seen, I have dealt with other chargers before outside of this network. It is a God awful experience. They're very hard to find half the time you get there. Like they're like half the time when you get there, they're all broken. They're like, they have just one or two that work, uh, just awful, awful experience. And so this is like very big news for electric vehicle owners, people that don't own Tesla because all don't own a Tesla because now they get access to any chargers that they want. And what I find really interesting about this is like, I'd say the, the public view of this deal is like Tesla is just kind of being a good Samaritan in a way and opening up their network to 
other automotive companies to like kind of expand their mission and just like, and their, their mission is just like, um, accelerate the transition to sustainable energy. So they're, they're making it easier and better for other car companies to offer charging to their customers. More people are going to want to buy electric vehicles. It just speeds up that transition. But, and while that is true, and that is like one of their primary motives, it also like, it's also like Tesla's playing chess in a way too, because now everyone that doesn't own a Tesla and is going to be charging a, a Tesla station, they're going to realize how much better the Tesla ecosystem is. It's like you own an Android phone and you're, you see what happens with people that have like all Apple products and how it's just like this perfect ecosystem, everything synced together properly. Everything's just easy and seamless to use kind of the same way in that sense. Um, so really it's like free advertising for Tesla because now all of these people are going to be charging there. They're going to be surrounded by Tesla's probably going to want to see them look into them. And then overall it's, I think all it does benefit GM and Ford a lot. Tesla is just like the main winner here because not only are, not only is it free advertising for them, but GM and Ford are like paying for this deal to happen. You know, like, it's not just like a, oh, here you go. We're giving this to you for free. Like it's, it's a business deal. Like people that if you don't own a Tesla and you're charging at a Tesla station, you're going to be paying more. So overall, just like, I'd say win-win for, for everyone in this scenario, but really the biggest winner here is, is Tesla because it's just kind of a really smart deal on their part. Um, but to yeah, me, I don't, I don't know. Solidify. Go uh, to me, it solidifies their place up top or, or it helps to, because now they don't have to worry about the threat of a other large network being developed. I mean, unless it's like a third party outside of GM or Ford, but certainly don't have to worry about GM or Ford. Um, yeah, I'm starting to build their own network. And that's, that's like yeah. a crazy concession in my mind on GM and Ford's part, but I guess if they're not far behind, they needed to do it anyway. No. That's, that's a good point. And to kind of add to that, like, I didn't actually watch these presentations. I just kind of read some quotes from them, but within the past few weeks, GM and Ford have like put out either statements or like like their CEOs have spoken somewhere and they basically always get asked about Tesla always. And for the first time in a very long time, both of them have admitted that Tesla has an undeniable lead on the market. And so, like you said, they're kind of conceding at this point. They're like, okay, well, if you can't beat them, join them. And another quote I saw, I don't know where this came from some old proverb or something, but you want to bring your enemies onto your own battlefield, you know? And that's kind of what Tesla is doing here. They're like, now GM and Ford are heavily, heavily reliant on Tesla. So they're kind of at their mercy in the sense of like, because before, like no one, like that was a big deterior for people wanting to buy a GM or a Ford electric vehicle is the lack of charging options. Now that's not necessarily the, the case, but makes, you know, both of them very re reliant on Tesla. And I think, yeah, like you said, it just kind of solidifies their lead. I mean, in my mind, it was already solidified, but this just does it even further. And there's not really any way that anyone else can catch up as far as like a charging network, because Tesla has been building theirs out for almost a decade now, if not longer. How are you going to, how are you going to catch up to that without tens and tens of billions of dollars. You're just not, and there's not anyone out there that's going to be willing to make that big of a bet. So yeah, it just kind of, they're kind of set in stone at this point, but yeah, I don't, are I don't you surprised? I wanted to add to that. Just kind of wanted to go ahead. Are you surprised there haven't been any big mergers between these once great staples, um, or these once big car companies? that are now, um, playing catch up mergers of like, like GM and Ford partnering together to attack Tesla or yeah. Yeah. 
Um, no, I don't, I don't really see that happening. At least not, not yet. Um, like you said, these companies are like, there's a lot of history behind Ford, a lot of history behind GM, and there's a lot of pride that comes with that. And mm. I can't really imagine anyone giving in in the sense of like, cause it is like an admission of defeat basically. But with that being said, I think there's just the, the way the current landscape is for electric vehicles, you either, I mean, they, they aren't going to be Tesla. It's not, not going to happen. So either you're going to end up going bankrupt or you're going to have to, you know, rely on Tesla more or maybe merge with some other companies. Like you said, I don't think they're quite at that point, but they're at least starting to come to the realization of like, okay, we're really far behind. We got to make some moves here. I mean, that's why this charging network deal happened, but I think it's only going to be more and more obvious. Um, as time goes on and another, another thing too, that doesn't make sense to me, a lot of these companies are still in denial that like the future of techno or the future of vehicles are electric. Like I think it was GM. They just announced a whole new line of vehicles for 2025 or 2026. None of them are electric. Like, why are you even bothered? So I don't like. When you make decisions like that, I just don't see how you're going to survive over the next five to 10 years. Cause they, yeah, like, well, GM and Ford, they're already in a very bad position financially. So, yeah. Well, what's probably happening is just, this is just a speculation, but I would assume the management of those companies is just in some sort of deal with the oil companies, like to try and just ride out the wave. Um, Yeah. If that, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, they're not, no, maybe I, I they're think not there's definitely some sort of interplay with that. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably not uh, 100% committed to the long term, if I had to guess. Yeah. They're, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, they've already kind of realized, like, okay, we can't, like, we're going to go bankrupt trying to make electric vehicles because it is, it is like insanely expensive. Like when you're Ford or GM or any, any of them really, but you have like tens of billions of dollars of infrastructure built out that is built specifically for gas vehicles. Now all of that's useless and you have to restart. Like, I don't know how you can, how you can do that. Like, I think they're so big it's going to be way too expensive for them to like transition all of that over and do it in a way that they can survive. So I wouldn't be surprised if that scenario is true where they're like, we don't see a way out of this. We're going to make a deal with the devil, basically of these oil companies and just like, we're going to ride it out as long as we can. We're going to keep us afloat for as long as they can. The executives keep getting their big salaries each year. And then at, cer- at a certain point, they're going to file for bankruptcy. But at that point, who cares? Because all those executives are now retired with tens of millions of dollars and they don't care anymore, you know? So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's, if that's true. Yeah. Um, you know, typically when you, like, when you look at Tesla, I think what's one of the craziest things about it is their just ability to like foresee the future of really commit. Uh, what they know is coming and um another good example of that is uh, uae so i was deployed to abu dhabi a couple years ago and uh part of our three they were just giving us a history of the country and you know obviously abu dhabi dubai made their money off oil and but i don't know when they started but, you know, they just recognize like, okay, well, eventually oil is going to dry up uh, or just not become uh, valued or necessary. Or, um, so uh, at some point they decided to make the call like, all right, well, we're going to simultaneously or maybe even more so uh, develop our banking industry and our tourism industry. And, um, and they've done it 
I think they've been wildly successful as far as I could tell. And, uh, so it's just kind of cool, you know, another entity that was like, they saw it, they committed and they're pulling it off. Yeah, no, I, I've seen that. I think they're still like, I would imagine, I mean, from what it looks like, they're still investing heavily into that, especially the tourism part. Um, like I've, like they, they just hosted like a big, they're starting to host like, um, uh, like UFC events, WWE events. They're just building out these absurd cities with like, they just look utopian. Um, and so, yeah, another, I guess like analogy to that, which kind of ties into a, a topic I wanted to talk about too, was just, you know, the, the developments that are happening with Twitter, uh, kind of the way, I guess that they have some, as, I mean, I guess Elon specifically, it's just another one of his like visions as far as transitioning, like what's happening with social media in general. Um, and one thing that I think is really cool that's kind of happened over the past month is some of the people that are announcing their presidential campaigns, they're doing it on Twitter, uh, or on Twitter spaces. Like they'll do it live with Elon, um, They'll do their, their speech or whatever, and then do their, their Q and a, I haven't really, I didn't listen to them. I listened to one like very briefly just to kind of see, you know, what, what, it, what it was like, but I just think it's cool that they're starting to rely less on like traditional news networks and just go straight to the people through platforms like Twitter. Um, I mean, now you have Tucker Carlson, he's doing his show strictly on Twitter, like just, just uploads the episodes on Twitter. Um, and he's put out like three or so, and all of them have almost a hundred million views. Like you're not getting that on Fox or CNN or anything else. Like you're not getting a hundred million views, you know, over the course of a couple of days, but you can do that on Twitter, like just by sending out a single tweet. It's, it's absurd. So I think it's just cool to see this, I guess democratization of you know publicity in a way yeah i mean it's the same thing with substack being that this platform where now all sorts of people can get published and you know maybe initially you're not getting the exposure that you otherwise would if you published on like a well-known whatever magazine or website or what have you but um but no, it's great. This, this just like increased access to information. Um, I, yeah, I didn't listen to those spaces either. Uh, but dude, hopefully like we see this transition, this start a transition away from those dumb debates on like CNN or whatever the mainstream channels. Cause it's like, okay. So I think that I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a rather famous, um, debate between Abraham Lincoln and whoever he was running against. I want to say Douglas, but I could be wrong. Anyway, it was like a three hour debate. I think, I think at one point Lincoln talked for like 30 minutes straight or something like that. And, uh, so hopefully we move more towards that. This kind of moved to Twitter allows more interactions like that to happen because just the world is so complex and you need more than. 30 seconds or whatever you have on those stupid debates to talk, uh, to fully flesh out ideas and whatever and tackle issues. So. Yeah. And it's just way more, it sets it up towards way more organic too. Like you don't have, I imagine with those debates, they get like create or really just anything that's done on like traditional news media. You know, you have your whole PR team watching, telling you what you can and can't say, like everything's orchestrated beforehand. Um, Whereas on Twitter spaces, like you just hop on and anyone that I guess is selected, like in a Twitter space can like come on and ask you a question, like just normal everyday people. Um, and there's not really any other way to do that. Like, it's not like that's, I mean, I guess like, I don't really watch the, the debates, so I don't know, but is there like a audience of people that can just like, they do like a Q and a thing, or is it all just like straight from the moderators? Straight from the moderators. Yeah. So like, where else are you going to get to ask a potential president questions like directly, you know? Um, 
Yeah, like I think it's like a super cool thing. Right. They used to do them. I forgot what they were called, but they like like CNN or whoever would host a kind of Q and A session. But you know, you know, those are probably most likely statute as well. So, but yeah, just yeah, any random Joe Boyle can come fire away at whoever on Twitter. That's funny and good. It's yeah, yeah it's good. I think too, it it helps you distinguish who's being genuine and who isn't because there's still going to be people that want to go on these traditional news outlets and answer their orchestrated questions that they know are just like, they already know beforehand of what, what's going to be asked and how they're going to respond. Like we, and we all know that too, as people watching this, we know. Um, but if we see someone going on Twitter spaces and just talking to random people and answering their questions, we know that's genuine, you know, better yet. We see them avoiding Twitter. Staying off those, yeah, kinda, yeah, that's a big tell too. Mm-hmm. So, I think it just, I think what Elon's doing with Twitter uh, is really like starting to, I guess, resonate and make some change as far as what people expect. Um, and I hope it continues because I think it's it's just a way allows for way healthier discussions, way more transparency. Um, so yeah i think um god dude like this might be the first time where we we're nearing the end of a episode and i feel like really hopeful <laughs> you know we have, we have yeah a lot of good stuff going on with ai and and then this twitter stuff yeah that's good is there is there like anything any other topics you wanted to touch on before we kind of wrap things up um no um no, I I think we hit everything. Yeah. Cool. My dog has um, sensed apparently a burglar, so it might be a good time for me to hop off anyway. Yeah. Um we'll we'll wrap up here and then like I said earlier, we'll we'll be back to like normal weekly episodes, more broad topics too. So um yeah, really excited for that and we'll see everybody next week.